open today's sermon. I don't want you to get too, uh, too hung up on this. I'm going to open with a, uh, a statement from what is the Mishnah. The Mishnah, it's, it's Avit 1 verse, chapter 1, verse 4. The Mishnah is a collection of rabbinic. So rabbinic is rabbi. Uh, and rabbis were the teachers of the first century. And so the rabbinic uh, teachings, and, and these are kind of collected between 200 B.C. before Jesus, okay, before Christ, to about 200 A.D. after Christ. And in the, in the Avot, or the Mishnah, he says this, Let thy house be a meeting house for the wise, and powder thyself in the dust of their feet, and drink their words with thirstiness. You am read it one more time. Let thy house be a meeting house for the wise, and powder thyself in the dust of their feet, and drink their words with thirstiness. Um, I love the imagery of this saying. The, the context is drawing near to the rabbinic teachers or to the wise among you. So it's, it's kind of talking to just the everyday Joe saying, listen, have the wise people over to your house for dinner. Learn from them. Grow in them. Young person, this is, this is so key. Don't wait for someone to come and, and, and invest in you. Go seek them out. Invite them out for coffee. Ask good questions. But then the picture after this, it says, and powder thyself in the dust of their feet. And I think this has just such a beautiful kind of wordplay and a word picture of the thought of a teacher and his disciples. You see, in the first century, there would be a lot of traveling by foot. And so many of the rabbis would have a collection of what they called disciples that would learn from that teacher. That teacher was an expert in the law, in the Torah. And so they would lean in close to the rabbi. And the way they traveled were on these dirt roads and the Roman roads. And so they would travel from town to town. And they, they would walk closely, so closely with the rabbi that the rabbi would walk out in front. Their disciples would lean in close. And as they walk, the imagery is the dust of the rabbi, the dust of the teacher, caking the disciple. It's this word picture of proximity, this word picture of leaning in, of following. It's got so many beautiful connotations to it. And I want to ask that this picture be what remains in your mind as we take this journey here this morning. This, this, this idea of learning and leaning into the teacher and, and moving with him in proximity to him. And today we're going to continue our series. For those of you that you're visiting with us or you're new with us today, we're in a series called The Values That Shape Us. The Values That Shape Us. And this is a series that came out of community. This is not just me coming up with statements. We did this in community with leadership, and we took a season of time to discern this together and pray about this together and come to agreement about some of these values. Uh, the reason we're doing values is because values shape culture. And it was once said that, that culture eats strategy for breakfast. In other words, if you have a toxic culture or you have a misaligned culture, you can't accomplish the things that you set out to accomplish as an organization, as a church, as a movement. And friends, we're a part of a movement that has a mission set before us. And so we want to be aligned together. So as always, I'm going to be asking that those of you that call Evangel Church home, 
When we finish this sermon, I'm going to ask you to simply affirm it in your hearts, in community, before God and before one another, with an amen. So don't let this be a moment of just static listening. Let this be a moment of searching your heart and going, can I align myself with this culture moving forward with this community of faith in Powell River today? Everybody understand? So why don't you engage with us this morning as the Spirit leads us? If you're taking notes, write this down. The mission is disciples making disciples. Period. The mission is disciples making disciples. Now, now before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we, we need to make some definitions so we can all be tracking together. I, I want to give you a formal definition of the word used for disciple in the Gospels, and then I want to give you more of a word picture that we use all the time here at Evangel. And so a disciple is someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits him or herself to the discipline or teaching of that leader or way. So a disciple is someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits him or herself to the discipline, teaching of that leader or way. In the context of the Christian faith, we, we say it often like this, discipleship is the journey of looking more and more like Jesus each day. It's the journey of looking more and more like Jesus each day. So, so now that we're tracking together, let, let's get started. The mission is disciples making disciples. And notice there's two parts to this mission. And I want to convince you today that to dig deep into the first has the outcome that leads to the second. So if you focus your time and energy into the first, it's going to lead you to the second. It's inevitable. Because if you begin to walk close to Jesus, you begin to take on his heart, his mind, and his ways. And we'll see how digging into the first will really begin to cause us to be those that flow out into the second. So the first is you yourself need to be a committed follower, and disciple of Jesus. Now, I want to make a careful distinction uh, between what we call Christian, because Christian is a word of our society today that we throw around a lot, and, and what we call a disciple. Because I believe just in today's climate, we have to make the distinction. And I love you too much not to make it. Christian is often a cultural term. Often we are those that, some, some of you, perhaps you, uh, when the census comes around and they, what do you identify with your religious beliefs? Some of you, because you are, you'll, you'll, you'll check Christian. Some, some perhaps because your parents are Christians and you grew up in a Christian home, you'll check Christian as you're like identifying as your religious belief or your belief system or the way that you look at the world. Uh, other you, perhaps, perhaps, um, I'll, I'll just let you on a little, little behind the scenes thing. Perhaps you're a CEO uh, Christmas, Easter only. And, I, and I, I don't want you to laugh at that. I, I just want you to hear this. And, and perhaps because you come on Christmas and you come on Easter and, and you, you feel that you're affiliated to some degree to the church, right? That you would check, I'm, I'm a Christian. And so that term Christian has to be defined a little bit. Because the reality is, and I'm not trying to pick on you, I, I just love you too much. I love you too much to let you continue to believe that paradigm or that way of looking at your faith. 
Because being nominally associated to the Christian church or to, or to Christianity is not the way of Jesus. It's, it, it's just not the way of Jesus. And, and we want to we explore what, what, is, what is the spirit of truth trying to convince each of us here this morning. He wants to convince you today that Jesus is worth giving up your life for. He's worth submitting your life to. And he loves you so desperately. Being a disciple is taking that journey of looking more and more like Jesus every day. And Jesus is the great rabbi. He is the teacher. And more than that, he's the way and he's the truth and he's the life. And like the disciples of old, we should be walking so close in proximity to him. So close in proximity, leaning into him that the dust of his Nikes are caking our faces. That's discipleship. That's the word picture of discipleship. Um, who has a gym membership here? You have a gym membership. Yeah, gym memberships? Now, I want to ask you a question. Um, when you went in that first day and you got that gym membership and they gave you that card, you know, nice laminated card that you could put in your wallet and you... You put that in your pocket, and when you left the gym that day, did you feel fitter? Right? As you, as you carried that card around in your wallet with you, did you begin to feel like the, 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 the pounds are kind of shedding off and, and that you're getting swole? Anybody? No, of course not. What? That's ludicrous. So what did you do? You, you, you went to the gym and began to put in the hard work. Some of you, some of you got a rabbi, also known as a, a personal trainer, to teach you, right, to teach you how to use some of the machine and how to work out and, and how to do variations and how to eat properly and how to rest and recover, pro right? And so you began to come under that teaching and they trained you and they worked with you. Now, that's just some of you. Most of you, you did this. You went to the gym and you got in there, and it's your first time, and you're looking at this stuff, and it's all so intimidating. Even though they have instructions on the machines, you're like, yeah. So what did you do? All of us have done this. You became a stalker, right? You looked around the gym, and you started just finding the fittest per people that you could see, right? You guys, you, you, you started finding, like, the most jacked-up dudes, or, or maybe you're more into CrossFit, so you're trying to find the really lean... Uh, and girls, you try to find, you know, whatever you want to aspire to, and then you began to watch what they do. You watch them sit down on the machine. You watch how they do it. You try to just play cool, right? And, and then when they got off the machine, you didn't go right to it because that would be weird. You gave a little bit of, you know, time and space, but then you went to the machine, you did it the way they did it, right? You began to lean in the process of learning and leaning in. But that gym card did nothing for you, other than access. Still took hard work. The Pillar New Testament commentary says this about the summary of, of the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. It says this, in this gospel, a disciple is both a learner and a follower. A disciple takes Jesus as his teacher and learns from him, and a disciple also follows Jesus. 
The life of a disciple is different because of his attachment to Jesus. The master is not giving a command that will merely secure nominal adherence to a group. This is not just about getting a membership card, but one that will secure wholehearted commitment to a person. Friends, sometimes we carry around our church attendance card just like it's that gym membership card. And I'm so glad that you're here. Please hear me. I'm so glad that you're here. And I, be- I believe in this. I believe in the gathered church. I believe in the gathered local church, the gathered global church. I believe wholeheartedly. I've given my life to this idea. But that's not the sum total of this Christian faith. You being here today is not the sum total of discipleship and following Jesus in close proximity and leaning into him. So we have to ask, what makes a disciple? And first and foremost, it's a response to the reality that God has chosen you. Now that gets a little bit complicated theologically. I don't want to get into it. Let's just say that we believe that through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ... He has extended that invitation of salvation to all of humanity and is actively involved at the individual level of calling people to Jesus. Of calling people to Jesus. However, your salvation is is not just simply an act of your acceptance. It's an act of faith that God himself gives you. So so when you came to Jesus, and, and some of you, perhaps you're exploring faith in Jesus right now. Perhaps you haven't submitted your life to him, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so excited that you're here. But there's this moment, we don't even have what it takes to believe this stuff. And there's this moment where the Holy Spirit actually gives us the faith to believe. For some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've been following Jesus for a while. You look back and you know that Jesus was revealed to you by the spirit of truth. And this faith welled up in you to just take that step and to know him and to invite him into your heart and to your life and to submit your life to him. You know what I'm talking about you. Some of you, you're pre that. Some of you, you're here and you're exploring faith in Jesus. I believe for you that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of God is gonna reveal Jesus to you. And in that moment, he's gonna give you the faith to believe. He's going to give you the faith to take that step into the unknown, into this person of Christ. He's going to give you the faith and the strength to step out in faith and accept Christ's work in your own life. Knowing Jesus is more than just an intellectual exercise, but it's one where the Spirit of God gives you that moment that you just know that you know that you know. And that's faith. So what is a disciple? One who has submitted their lives to God the day that they were saved, but also clings to his presence and grace to walk further and further and further and further and further away from their old life and their old ways and their own patterns and their old ways of thinking into new ways and new patterns and kingdom things in the mind and the heart of Jesus. That's the journey of discipleship. So let's switch gears a little bit. Paul, he writes to the Corinthian church in, in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Uh, we're going to put scripture up on the screen today because I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. 
So I want you to keep up. Normally we don't, by the way, just so you know. Um, we, we, we would love to get a Bible in your hand. If you go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, myevangelchurch.church forward slash Bible, uh, you can either get a digital Bible there or we will get you a hard copy, your own Bible, and you can fill out the form there. We would love to just resource you with the Word of God because we believe the Word of God will change your life. But he says this, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He's very careful to make a distinction, though. He says, follow my example. In other words, I'm so aware that I am modeling this faith to the church. I'm aware that I am modeling this to the church, but I don't want disciples made in my image. I want disciples made in the image of Christ. That's the call. That's why previous to this statement, he, he makes correction to the Corinthian church. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 7, there's this sort of angst going on in the church because some of them were saved under Paul's ministry and some of them were saved under Apollos' ministry. And some are saying, I'm of Paul, and others are saying, I'm of Apollos, and there's this rift in the church, and there's these two camps, and so Paul writes this correction to them in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 7. He says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Paul reveals two truths in these statements about being a disciple. God brings the increase. God is involved in growing your faith. He, he orchestrates the maturing process that you're in. And secondarily, Paul gives this revelation to the process of discipleship, a part of the how. And here's the mystery of all mysteries. God has chosen in his church to use his people in the discipleship of others. He's called us to probably the, the biggest responsibility where not just Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, but as we mature in Jesus, we begin to say, follow me as I follow Christ. God brings the increase. God brings growth. But we're involved in the process. You're involved in the process. We need each other when it comes to becoming disciples of Jesus. I, I had the opportunity to sit down on uh, Wednesday with a beautiful couple in our church, and I, I didn't have a chance to ask them for permission to share this, so I'm just going to keep them anonymous today. But I had just, just this opportunity to tell them how their way of seeing people in the world and seeing faith in particular, in the way that they pray, the Holy Spirit used to change some perspectives in my heart. In fact, there was a, one day we were praying in the prayer room, and I prayed a prayer, and I'm, I'm such a doer. I'm all about just doing and mission and getting it done. And Okay? That's just who I am. It's how God wired me. 
But, and I was praying, I was praying like that. I was praying about mission and God, get a hold of your church. Let's move forward. Let's, you know, the whole deal. And then, and then this individual began to pray, Lord, give us a revelation of your love. May we know your presence. And I had to tell them on Wednesday how beautiful it was that the Holy Spirit used that moment to actually, they didn't even know it, but to bring correction and to bring me back to center. To bring me back to presence and knowing God and everything else outflowing from that place. We need each other, friends. And you must be sick of hearing me say this. But I'm going to keep saying it until the spirit of truth gives each of us a deep revelation of it. You were made for community. You were made for community. You were fundamentally formed to know and to be known. To know and to be known. Discipleship is not done alone. It's not done in a vacuum. The mature among us are not mature because they isolated and kept to themselves. They are mature in Jesus because the many gifts of the body of Christ have been instrumental in their formation. The people that rub them the wrong way have been instrumental in their formation. The people who called them on their stuff and their brokenness and their blind sides were instrumental in their formation. The mature among us are not mature because they did it just in isolation. They're mature because they did it in community. God uses community. It's the mystery of all mysteries. If I was God, I would leave us out of it. May you begin to see the gift that your brothers and sisters are to you. And may you begin to see the gift that you are to them. Secondly, we need to be full of faith to believe that the spirit of truth is present to lead and guide and teach us. We get to walk in close proximity to the spirit of God who reveals Jesus to us. In John 16, 12 to 15, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Knowing Jesus, friends, is so much more than just an academic exercise of looking at the Gospels and reading about him from the teachings of the apostles and the annals of history. That's a big part of it. That's not the only part of it because he sent his spirit to lead and guide us. He sent his spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He's here right now. One of my favorite prayers of late is simply this. God, we recognize your presence here with us right now. Do you believe it? 
May God stir up our faith to believe it and to see it. The spirit that inspired the word of God is here right now to lead us in deep revelation of his word. And he's contextualizing it. He's making it so individual to each and every single one of you. Each of us are going to walk out of this room hearing some different things from the spirit because of where we're at in life. The spirit of truth is at work, making known to you the mind and the heart and the will of Jesus. He guides us to truth through the word of God. He causes the word to come alive in us. And this is why the scriptures tell us that the word of God is living and active. As we discovered two weeks ago, the word is more than just this objective moral truth document. It is and was personified through the life of Jesus. And here's the deal. Sometimes I think we look back and we go, wouldn't it have been nice to be the disciples? We could have walked with Jesus. Wouldn't it have that been nice? Here's the deal. It was so limited. Because it was limited to geography. It was limited to Jesus as a person in the flesh. You had to be in proximity to a person. And so Jesus knew I need to go so I can send my spirit so each and every one of you can know the spirit of truth leading you and making known my way, my will. Guess what? We get to walk those roads. We get to lean in in close proximity to Jesus. Each of us. Because his spirit is with us. We can be caked in the dust of our rabbi. Come on, church. This is real. This is real for you. No matter where you're at in your journey of faith, whether you're exploring faith with lots of questions and skepticism and doubt, or you are mature in Jesus, the spirit of truth is here to speak to you to make himself known to you, to make Jesus known to you. The mission is disciples making disciples, which brings us to the second part. In Matthew 28, 16 to 20, many of you know it. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This moment is followed a time later in the account of Acts where the disciples are pressing into God. They're pressing in in prayer, and the Spirit shows up and baptizes them in fire and empowers them for this mission that Christ has called them to. This has and always will be the mission of the church, disciples making disciples. William Barclay, he says this of this passage, he says, he assured them of his power. He gave them a commission. He promised them a presence. He assured them of his power. He gave them a commission. He promised them 
a presence. And I believe prophetically today in 2019, Powell River, this moment, that that Mount of Ascension in the words of Jesus, the Spirit wants to cause that to come alive for you today. Remember, this isn't just an academic, intellectual exercise of looking at a historical document. This is about a spirit of truth that inspired this writing and is present with us to reveal it to us. Not just in thought, not just understanding the principle of it, but revealing it to our soul and to our spirit in an immeasurably deep way that God would cause us to leave this place and have eyes to see the brokenness around us. That you plant in us a deep brokenness for those that are far from him. Because friends, when you walk closely as a disciple, as you lean into Jesus, his heart, and his will and his ways will become yours. And his will and his heart is that none should perish. That all of humanity would have the opportunity to hear the invitation of Jesus. And the mystery of all mysteries is he involves us. The mission is and always will be disciples making disciples. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. So this leads us to the interaction as you've been sitting under this teaching and the word of God, interacting with the spirit of truth that wants to convince you of some deep things. Friends, can we, can we affirm this as one of our values? As a community of faith, 2019, Powell River, can we align our hearts around this value that the mission is disciples making disciples. And friends, if you can do that, I'm just going to ask you to just give a hearty amen.